Heard at Sports Radio every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. It is a road show Thursday. We're here at the Single Barrel, 9th and P, downtown Lincoln. Thursday road show. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal inside the graduate. As skies are a bit gray with some mixed in sunshine, but it's still warm. It's still pleasant. Still uh, kind of a summer fall mixture before old man winter gives you the double bird. But uh, get on down. We invite you to the single barrel. We're here on Thursdays. We're here on Saturdays. Back here noon to 2 ahead of Nebraska-Purdue. And then uh, the following, uh, following the contest, the the, the 12-round affair we we all think may happen. uh, Here for real red reaction. So uh, find us here at the single barrel. Really appreciate the good folks here. For having us out, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and Hale Varsity Radio, uh, presented to you by Cornhead Lager, the perfect beer to enjoy while watching your favorite game. Purchase and help support NIL through the 1890 initi- initiative. When you buy Cornhead Lager, it heads right directly to that NIL. We will talk recruiting, a tough decommitment for Nebraska. That's kind of on the doorstep. We'll get there. Plenty more from Matt Rule as he spent time with the media today just in front of Nebraska-Purdue. And uh, we'll also uh, get a little glimpse into the latest GB Rewind, that uh, fiery halftime speech maybe you've seen on social media uh, with him uh, laying it down for his football team before they went out in secured things against Northwestern. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240. And uh, can also dial us up, 800-825-5865. Across the state where you hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Email chris at halevarsity.com. Follow Elijah. Awesome Twitter follow, at Herbal Essence. Find me. I don't know how awesome I am, but give me a follow anyway, at Schmidt underscore Radio. Walter's already in. Walter was in at 4.04 Central Standard Time. And I can just hear his voice saying, well, we're waiting. Uh, that's what he says. Dion's already in. He's uh, fired up with all of his emojis, a football, a corn cob, and a heart. 
And uh, you can also chime in with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Watch us. Uh, watch the show there and find it on the Twitter uh, feed as well, H at HVarsity Radio. Elijah, that's all the business, my man. Uh, busy weekend of football. Some games of interest. We'll check in with Danny Burke in about an hour and a half. Gary Barnett in hour two. And then Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed will be with us at 425. We'll get Vogue's take on this Purdue and, and Nebraska matchup. A lot of really smart coaches have always said, you got to beat teams that look like you. And the teams, as you entered into Big Ten play that you thought looked like you or you were on the same par or better than, at least on the recruiting trail, were the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's and the Penn State's and the Michigan's and the Ohio State's. You go back 12-plus years, that's what the expectation was. Well, the expectations, Elijah, continue to grow for this football team and the expectations for guys that have seen some spot duty, they've been forced into the forefront because the storyline this week and this Saturday will be Nebraska's offensive line and run game. But Purdue's one of those teams that they've had your number. Northwestern's one of those teams that has had your number. Illinois, stop me if you heard it before. But right now you have a chance to kind of flip the script and go 3-0 and against those teams. Nebraska fans, not all, but a lot of you say, okay, you look at, at a Purdue, you look at a Northwestern, you look at an Illinois, and you say, well, damn right, Nebraska should not ever lose to them. Uh, maybe once in a great while you get stung by them, and it's been more so the, uh, the rule versus the exception. Uh, Nebraska has a chance to kind of change that narrative on Saturday and go two dose games above 500 in the quest for six. But it's a huge game for both teams. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you look at Purdue, what they have coming up. They're two and five coming out of their bye week. They can really only afford to have one more loss if they want to go bowling this year. And oh, which they is have next Michigan week. next week. <laughs> so you know Ryan Walters, he's going to have his team ready to go. They're going to understand what's at stake this week. And what's at stake this week for them is a bowl game. And sometimes you see teams like this with some fire and they're sitting at five and six the final week of the regular season. Think back to Ryan Walters' final game as a Colorado Buffalo. They're five and six coming to Lincoln, hoping to make a bowl game against the Huskers. And what happens? Alex Henry tears their heart out and then and Dominican Sue stomps all over it with a pick six at the end of the game. So he's been there. He's been in these shoes before. A lot of teams have been understanding your backs are up against a wall and, uh, and you really need to get a win. But for this Purdue team, it's just a little bit earlier in the season as Deion chimes in and says they're way better than their record. I think that's true. I think they're better than a 2-5 and five team, and I think they believe that they're better than a 2-5 and five football team, and they understand the task in front of them. If you want to make a bowl game, you got to start it out, come off your bye week, you got to beat Nebraska, you got to take your lumps against Michigan, if we're being honest here. Regardless if they know your play calls or not, you're going to take your lumps. And then you follow that up with Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana to close the year. So the toughest task among the four remaining games you have to win is probably Nebraska, and they get that coming off of a bye week. They're going to know the task in front of them. They know it's going to be crappy weather. It's going to be Big Ten West football, and it's going to be kind of that risk aversion story for both of these teams and who wants to win a game. Who's going to make fewer mistakes on Saturday? That's probably the question. I think Purdue knows coming off a bye week what their task is in order to make a bowl game. It's don't make mistakes and go win a low-scoring battle. Don't make more mistakes than Nebraska, I guess I should say, is what their goal needs to be if they want to win this football game. And they have a bowl game in front of them still, despite what their record looks like. But the most important game remaining on their schedule is this upcoming Saturday. 
Brian chimes in. Saturday marks the battle of the two most disturbing mascots, Little Red versus Purdue Pete. Purdue Pete is perfect for Halloween. He's got that little Michael Meyer twinge to him, the look into your eyes, those dark, soulless eyes of Purdue Pete. Never been a big fan of Little Red. Now I understand the kids love him. I get it. Totally get it. I, I can dig Herbie. Grew up with Herbie. Little Ren always, well, wore me out. But Purdue Pete's just kind of crazy and scary. And, I mean, you have a history of, of astronauts and brilliant math people that have gone to Purdue. Uh, and, and they have their history. They, they've kind of been a, a spot where a lot of good quarterbacks have come out of. Uh, Hudson Card, What what is he all about? Uh, coming in. I know he's an athlete. I know he's uh, another Texas quarterback that found his way to Purdue. And and he may be the best quarterback. He probably is the best quarterback aside from Shadur Nebraska has faced this season. And and how does that play into what uh, Tony White and the Nebraska defense can do? Uh, Nebraska's been really good against most teams they've, they've faced. They've had really good moments. They've not been lights out their first two games but they flipped it so nebraska needs to really set the tone defensively and offensively yes take care of the football and run the bleeping ball and i think brian brings a good point in terms of that scare factor with purdue pete like is nebraska going to be playing scared because he got purdue pete on the sideline he looks creepy and i don't think Lil red (laughs) i don't think Lil red is the second most disturbing mascot in college football i think that's a little harsh have you guys seen the clemson tiger that mascot like, yeah, like the, the one that looks like he just got done smoking he's a, crack, a whole bunch of crack. <laughs> yeah, he's a cracked out Tony the Tiger. That's exactly what, like, that might be the most disturbing mascot in college football. Purdue Pete's also got, like, the hollow eyes, the thousand-yard stare. But mm. the Clemson Tiger looks like... Has a crawl space. I was going to say, it looks like he's, like, he's done some, some shady things behind a, a Hobby Lobby at 2 in the morning in order to get his fix. That's what he looks like, so... <laughs> He's the number one most disturbing man. I wouldn't want to run into him in a dark alley. If any mascot in college football, it's the Clemson Tiger. Elijah, where, why are we being so specific? We both know where the old Hobby Lobby's located. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are we picking out South Lincoln? Why are we going right there? Oh, pretty good. Or, or you know, nothing against our friends at Hobby Lobby. I mean, if you want to save money on framing, okay, free shout-out Thursday. But we're here at the uh, Single Barrel inside the Graduate Hale Varsity Roadshow Thursday. So... Let's dive in uh, to the the other news, the bad news. Not it, it's not good whenever you have a decommitment. Uh, in Nebraska's case, this is the decommitment number two. You had the kid down in Kansas flip to uh, to Kansas State. I'm sorry, I'm I'm whiffing on his name, but you got Caleb Benning last week, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, you have Kiwan Lacey, four-star back, decommitting from Nebraska. He's a, a Texas back, the 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 Lancaster, uh, Texas stud, and he's been really locked in on Nebraska since June 26th. Nebraska able to outlast Ole Miss and Arizona State in Baylor. He's a top 330 prospect according to On Three and. Uh, he's just outside the top 25 when it comes to the 2024 running back cycle. And you had Lacey post uh, a heartfelt thank you to Nebraska and Nebraska fans, but he's reopening his recruitment. And it sounds like, uh, A, Nebraska was 
in early along with an old Miss and a Baylor. But B, his film has continued to, to pick up s- some steam. The season's going well for him. And Ole Miss keeps knocking on the door. Florida is not taking no for an answer. And old St. Nick at Alabama is also uh, high on Lacey. So, in one hand, that's a big-time credit to Nebraska being out uh, and early with their evaluation and connections in Texas to have a, a commitment from this kid. Uh, but the other side of the scale is, man, you, you haven't kept him. Uh, and, and kids are going to look around and, you know what, Nebraska will keep the door open. They'll handle it the, the right way. And uh, you have Coach Kevin Smith uh, is, is from the Miami region. He's at Ole Miss. Right now, he's pretty enamored with how Ole Miss is using their backs, not only their run game, but their passing game. You've seen Alabama kind of pick up some steam. Florida's got a huge game against Georgia right now. And and right now, uh, Nebraska's offense, it's not that you're not going to be featured or used, but right now, Nebraska's offense is pretty tough to watch. And if you're a kid in Lancaster County or Lancaster, Texas, uh, thinking about making his his football living in Lancaster County, you're uh, you're rethinking that a bit. Uh, and Nebraska's just going to have to keep doing it on the field uh, with wins. And Nebraska's going to have to keep developing relationships and keep that door open for uh, Lacey. I don't know how late. I don't know how high Lacey's been on the board for uh, a Florida or for a Bama, but clearly he's on their radar now. And Ole Miss has always kind of stayed after him with the offense Lane Kiffin and company are putting up. Yeah, I I think reading in between the lines here in recruiting, Nebraska got the commitment from Kwan Lacey back in late June, as you kind of laid out. Since then, his recruiting has not died down. He's still had a host of suitors. He's had a host of offers. There has been one that he has posted up on his Twitter page. That was an offer to the University of Florida. That's the only offer he has officially gone public with, despite the fact that it sounds like he's gotten more offers since he's committed to Nebraska than just Florida. I think you can read in between the lines and understand that whenever a kid does post up, the fact that he's got an offer from one school and he's not posting it from the others, that school is probably immediately closer to the top of his board than the other ones. And I think they're probably in the driver's seat, the school that convinced him to decommit from Nebraska. And they've had some serious recruiting momentum over the past couple of weeks. That 2024 class for Florida, they just picked up LJ McCray, who is a four, excuse me, a five-star defensive lineman, the number six player in the country. He's from Daytona Beach, Florida. They also had a five-star quarterback, the number two quarterback in the country, and DJ Lagway from Willis, Texas. And then they got, oh, maybe the number two defensive back in the country as well, a five-star in Xavier Filsme from McKinney, Texas. So you see the momentum. Those are all guys that have committed. I shouldn't say all guys that committed this season. They picked up McCray, and then they got uh, – the defensive back over the uh, summer as well. So you see the five stars in the boat there. You like what you got in Florida. You post up the offer. I think Florida's probably in the uh, the driver's seat for this recruitment is probably why Kawan Lacey chose now to decommit with some of that momentum they've got there. So that's my, my, my read from 5,000 feet up. I'm not on the ground. I haven't talked to the kid at all. I'm no recruiting expert, but something tells me Florida's probably in the driver's seat. Yep, Florida's been hot after him. Uh, you've got a, a, a Q McHugh 
McMoo, excuse me, uh, Rule finds talent early. Some decommits are going to happen, but there's no reason they can't lock those kids back down after they take the chance to look around. Double-edged sword of getting in first. That's what we were kind of touching on. Thanks for the comment. Uh, you have Montana Husker weighing in on the Lacey de- decommitment. Uh, if the coaches and players are going to say it, uh, so do the fans. Kiwan is gone. Okay, what's next? So Montana Husker fan is uh, moving on. But he's a guy that you you want to keep in the class. And you just got to let him look if he wants to reopen his commitment. But and, C- Cutter uh, kind of nails it here with it is what it is. With the transfer portal, you never know where a kid will end up in the future. He may go to Florida in a year, be back with us. We have to focus on who wants to be here. That's from mm-hmm. Cutter chiming in on this stream. And while I don't think that's necessarily like, oh, this kid, he liked Nebraska, he's off to somewhere else, so be it. Like, it's a disappointment whenever a kid decommits, especially a kid as talented as Lacey. And I don't think it's necessarily, well, maybe he's going to come back to us in the transfer portal here in a year. I just think you understand that what whenever you have things like decommitments, you know what, you're late on some kids, you don't like any running backs in the in the process now, there's going to be a boatload of names in the portal, and there's going to be a boatload of names that Coach Matt Rule and company like. So maybe it's not Lacey that comes back in the portal, but if you can't clean this up before the end of the recruiting cycle, you can't get a running back that you like, you understand that you have the transfer portal as a Band-Aid down the road. And that's what makes these, these decommitments hurt a little less whenever you can get a guy that's been a strength and conditioning program at a college level for two years. You get him in the boat right away. That might be more valuable than a freshman anyway with where Nebraska's at. Well, the experience factor at the level, you need someone to come in and perform, absolutely. Brandon Vogel's going to join us. We're here at the Single Barrel Hale Varsity Roadshow Thursday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're on the road, and we're presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Brandon Vogel with us from Counter Read, counterread.com. Check out his work, Aaron Sorensen's work. Great stuff on football, volleyball, all things Nebraska, man. Vogues, uh, it, is, uh, it is Purdue week. Creepier mascot, Little Red, or Purdue Pete? Um, it's a close call. I think I think Purdue Pete, due to the <clears throat> due to the hard plastic involved, like it's weird to have a big <laughs> hard plastic head. It's also weird to have an entirely inflatable suit. Uh, sort of groundbreaking at the time, but I've 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 kind of felt like at this stage, you know, back in the '90s, Little Red was introduced as like a thing for for kids to to appeal to younger fans and that was fine and 
I was not <clears throat> young at that point. I was in high school, so I was like, who cares about them kids? Um, Little Red, Little Red is not cool. And I, I still don't think it's cool. Um, but I think at this point, it's old enough, like, you should just kind of steer into its kind of creepy cult status a little bit more. And, and we've seen it, you know, Nebraska, I think, has a, um, well, my colleague, Aaron Sorensen, posted a photo of this after, uh, during the, the home opener. Uh, they'll put the big little red eyes up on the, on the big screen when, when teams are kicking, are kicking uh, opposing teams are kicking field goals. Like, I'm, I'm here for it all. Let's, let's just steer into the weirdness of little red. Well, okay, Brandon, follow-up question to the uh, the mascot question. Purdue Pete, is he the creepiest mascot in the country, or does that title belong to the Clemson Tiger with his drug-addicted eyes? <laughs> Clemson, the Clemson Tiger belongs up there, um, though I'm not even sure he's, like, the, the shadiest cat mascot. I might give that to Penn State. Oh, which is like yeah. Penn, which is like Penn State's whole thing, you know. It's like we don't put we don't put anything on our helmets except for a stripe. We don't have we don't have anything on our uniforms except for numbers. Um, it's 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 the whole shabby chic thing. Um, so I get it. It's it's on brand. But you just look at that that Penn State Nittany Lion, and it's like I've seen high schools with 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 mascots that look much more expensive than that. It looks like the uh, the the cat that Will Ferrell wore in old school. I mean, to be honest, Look, w- without the the fire, of course. It looks like a homemade Halloween costume. It's like whenever my mom was like, "We're saving money on Halloween costumes this year. We're not going down to the store. We're going to make them ourselves." The mini <laughs> line is what you get. Uh, y- yes, I I am a well. I mean, I love dogs, but uh, you know, based on ownership. I guess I would have to call myself a cat person, so I like cats. The Nippy <laughs> Lion looks like the kind of cat you don't want to see on the street. Uh, uh, Scott Kelly chimes in. Little Red does look kind of like a cult leader, doesn't he? <laughs> um, that's uh, I can't go where I really want to go with what I think of Little Red. I'll just the the moment Tom Green. Uh, had fun with Little Red uh, back in the late 90s in front of Danny Nee and the world was uh, was pretty funny. Uh, we'll just leave it there. And if you remember what I'm talking about, God love you. Um, moving on from, from Mascot Gate to uh, thoughts on Nebraska-Purdue. Folks, what 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 are you thinking expectation-wise? Ledge and I kind of got into it. We also want to get your take on Keewan Lacey's decommitment. But all right, what, what's a good day for the Nebraska offense on Saturday? Uh, to use Matt Rule's basis for comparison, one more point than, than Purdue has. I mean, it really <laughs> might might be that way. I mean, obviously, like, the, the giant wild card in this game is just who, who won't be there for Nebraska. Like, nobody – if Matt Rule came, came and said, we're going to give three starting offensive linemen and our leading receiver at the moment just a break – they, they need a they need a rest day like this is the NBA. Everybody be losing their mind. Now Nebraska doesn't have that choice. That's just what it is. That's that's what they have to deal with. So it's it's tough to account for that. Nebraska is is a little bit. Well, I mean the offense is limited. They're averaging twenty points a game. They are committed to the run. They will hit big plays in the pass game which don't always show up like in the the broad stats, you know, if you just look at Nebraska's passing numbers now. But when they hit those plays, they're important. 
I kind of compared them in the preview this week. They're, they're a little bit option-like um, in terms of like the magnitude of, of the big plays they hit in the passing game and how it's set up by the run. They need to do both those things, I think, to, to have enough offense to win this one. Brittany, you say to have enough offense to win this one. What does that look like to you? Is that 10 points? Is that 14 points? With the ugliness of the weather, I think everyone is expecting a low-scoring game. And if it wasn't a home game, I think a lot of people here in the capital city would be putting down some juice on the under. What does enough offense to win look like for you against Purdue? Because it feels like that number is, is with the, the performance of the defense, is even getting lower and lower every single week. So I think last week I said 13, and it turns out didn't even need to get 13 points. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's illustrative, I think. I think this game probably models something close to, to 20 to 17. Um, so I would say what does Nebraska need to feel comfortable? Probably 20. Um, we saw him win last week with 17. You start getting below that, and all of a sudden you're in kind of unique circumstances. Um, that said, um, if, if you if you're thinking about playing the over simply because Nebraska's at home, I would advise against that. Uh, <laughs> wrote about this wrote about this for tomorrow um, on, on counterread.com, but the under is hitting so far in 57% of, of Big Ten games, conference only games. Scoring's down about nine percent um, in terms of points per game for Big Ten teams. Like this is all stuff I think we kind of know and expected a little bit from just the the changing clock rules, but it outstrips even what uh, college football has experienced as a whole. It's just a low scoring year in the Big Ten, and in that way, like it might be kind of perfectly timed for how I think Rule wants to play generally, but also how Nebraska has to play given the the amount of injuries on offense. Brandon Vogel is with us from Counter Read, counterread.com. Nebraska, Purdue on our mind. Uh, Vogues, let's flip it around. What what worries you about the Purdue offense against the Nebraska defense? Or do you think the Nebraska defense can get that vaunted takeaway? Can they get that pick six or scoop and score? They're going to have to. Yeah, they I mean, takeaways are always are always tough. Like Purdue is is so Hudson Card ranks second in the Big Ten at about thirty five pass attempts per game. Um, you know, which is which is kind of what you expect given where he came from uh, at, at Texas, and and kind of what Purdue has been. You know, really for for the most of the, this century from from Joe Tiller on, I guess let's let's put it that way. Um, <clears throat> Nebraska, defensively, Nebraska won't be surprised by that approach. Teams are not running against this defense. I was, I was kind of shocked when I, when I looked at the numbers and, and pulled them together this week. You remove garbage time from, from the equation, which takes out a big chunk of the Michigan game and, and not a whole lot else, maybe some of the fourth quarter of the Colorado game. And uh, teams are only running at about 37.5% against, percent of the time against Nebraska all of those opponents minus Northwestern Northwestern was a little bit of a curveball last week uh, and rule talked about this at his, at his press conference. Like teams are just not trying to run uh, against Nebraska. They will, they will throw the football. Uh, Northern Illinois might be the best example. They're, they're a team that runs the ball about 51% of the time. 
I think they were at about 37 against Nebraska, which is a credit, I think, to to Tony White and that defense. They're like, eh, we don't want to mess with that. We'll just we'll just try it the other way. Purdue is a team that comes in that's already, you know, that's the way it kind of wants to play anyway. So for, for Nebraska, they are used to defending 37 pass attempts per game uh, on average. Uh, that's that's not the problem. It's, it's what happens on those pass attempts. And I don't think Purdue's only won two games, so it's small sample size, but I don't think Purdue has thrown an interception in either of its wins. The, the key number to me becomes the, the yards per attempt. And I kind of look at the number of, of six yards per attempt as, as pretty key. That's about where Purdue's at in losses, and it's about where Nebraska is at in wins. So if mm. Nebraska can get there um, – they should have a pretty good shot. Their defense should be putting them in a spot to win unless you, you know, turn it over three times on offense. Brandon, something we talked about back in the first segment is this element of Purdue. They really can't afford any more losses this year. With Michigan coming up next week, I think you chalked that one up as a loss. You have Nebraska this week following Michigan. You then have Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana. You can't afford to lose those. And Nebraska might be the, the toughest test of those four based on how those teams are playing recently. And I want to get your t- thoughts on Purdue coming out of a bye week. Do you think offensively, despite the weather, they pull out all the stops to, to get something against this Husker defense? Because the Husker defense, aside from Michigan, is probably the toughest defense they'll play for the remainder of the year. And to add to that, you got to get this one. So how weird, I guess, do you think Purdue gets with their offense to try to get something going? Um, I, I would expect them to get weirder defensively maybe than offensively. Okay. Um, and, and I think I think I think what you're the idea you're on is is another big wild card to to this game. Like we you know I mentioned earlier, Rule talked about how Northwestern came out and had some new stuff for Nebraska because it was coming off a of bye week. I expect Purdue to do that as as well. Um, they know what Nebraska doesn't have on the offensive line, and Ryan Walters is a head first year head coach who used to be a really great defensive coordinator um still a great defensive mind he's gonna dial some things up and oh by the way like produce two outside linebackers they're both top five in the big ten in sacks so they're gonna they're gonna have some some special stuff for for nebraska and i think assuming michigan doesn't get the death penalty before next week uh, <laughs> i'm sort of kidding but um maybe maybe not who knows um <laughs> the the urgency is there. I think Purdue is a team that is better than its two and five record at this point. Not drastically so, but a little bit better. And I think the opening line reflected that. I was a bit surprised that Nebraska was only minus one on on Sunday. It went up to two and a half, which I checked immediately on Monday after Rule announced all of those injuries, and, and it hasn't gone down to this point. Doesn't mean there'll be be a, a late push for for Purdue. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that, that Nebraska is given the edge that it has had. Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogue's, uh, hang on. We're going to do a little overtime with you. I want to get your reaction to Kiwan Lacey's decommitment, how you take that. Uh, I know Husker Nation's like, man, uh, a good one out of Texas is looking around. So more Brandon Vogel, more of us. We're here at 9th and P. The Single Barrel Roadshow Thursday here at The Graduate with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
We have coaxed Brandon Vogel into another smidge of this segment, this first hour. We're here at the Single Barrel Hail Varsity Roadshow. We're presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed, counterreed.com. We're back here Saturday noon to 2 ahead of Nebraska Purdue. Purdue stays here, so I don't know if we will get to see Purdue Pete in person and just get full uh, freak-out mode on or not. But if so, we'll make sure there's a picture taken, and we'll send it to, to, to Vogues and all the folks, Dion and Walter and Brennan and everybody in the stream, will we'll post that picture. Vogues, uh, not a good picture of your four-star running back that was in since June, Kiwan Lacey out of Lancaster, Texas. Uh, you and I both smile when we think of Texas running backs. Uh, he's uh, a guy that Bama's picked up on. Uh, Ole Miss has not stopped calling. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Florida is uh, probably leading the race right now. Uh, your reaction to what Nebraska, what the, the predicament Nebraska's in here with uh, such a high-level back decommitting? Yeah, it's it's tough because he it, it, all signs indicate he's, he's probably headed to the SEC. Though I find myself... I probably thought less about recruiting during this fall than in most falls that I can remember. And I think some of that is, you know, a a first year coaching staff. I think some of that is the, the slight momentum Nebraska currently has on the field itself. Uh, and, And some of that's also how rule talks about it. You know, I mean, I think the, the big one that's out there that, you know, people, Ring their hands over, of course. Carter Nelson took the, took the unofficial to, no, to Notre Dame, and um, yeah, you think about that one. And rules kind of like, you know, we want the guys that want to be here. And if and if like if that's not just coach speak, and I have no reason to think that it is, like it kind of becomes how I how I personally have to define recruiting. And you're going to have some decommitments um, in in this current era, like. Because Nebraska, I think, is is trending a little bit upwards right now. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to win out or anything, and become the hottest commodity on the, you know, local recruiting market by December or anything. But they're trending slightly up um, because you can address some needs through the transfer portal. You know, maybe this is uh, foolhardy of me, but I kind of find myself shrugging a little bit at any decommitment just because you know they're going to happen, um, and maybe I'm wrong on that. We had a thought in from Cutter uh, whenever we were discussing this in our first segment saying essentially with the transfer portal now it makes all these decommitments less and less important because either this kid could come back in a couple of years or you could use you could go find somebody else in the transfer portal that you like that also has some college experience under their belt to boot. Is that fair? I, I think I think it's, it is fair um, and, and particularly with you know, there are some programs out there who are really about like our solution to whatever our current situation is, whether you're like mediocre and should be good if you're bad and hoping to get to mediocre or if you're good trying to get to great is like, well, we just got to recruit better. And that's important. Like talent matters. You know, there's there's no way, no way around that. <clears throat> that said, this Nebraska's current staff is one where I don't think they're going to you know, sacrifice, this is OOU, one of us, to use one of their own acronyms, um, 
just to get a guy who who's you know better than than any running back they've recruited over the past 10 years or whatever and you know not saying that's the case here but just as as an example like they're not going to chase talent just for talent's sake and that that might seem obvious but i think it's a key differentiation between two two different approaches Vogues, tell us what's happening with Counter Read when we, as we say goodbye, counterread.com. Let folks know how they can get involved. Yeah, you can uh, check us out at counterread.com. It's a, a new venture from myself and, and Aaron Sorensen, uh, twice weekly newsletter for, for paid subscribers. Paid subscribers get access to everything. Um, we end up doing about four, four newsletters a week. Free subscribers get a chance to check it out. Um, but if you want access to everything, uh, we would love to have you join as a, as a paid subscriber. And coming tomorrow, I kind of mentioned it a little bit in the, the earlier segment, uh, took a look at scoring in the Big Ten um, and where things are at with that. Um, and how, you know, got a little bit into how that might change next year with the addition of, of four Pac-12 teams, three of which, oh, by the way, are among the seven teams averaging 40 plus points a game. So, so that'll get interesting. And then, uh, made my big 10, big 10 picks for the week for whatever that's worth. It's hard picking against the spread. And, uh, I'm not out here trying to tell you, I know anything more than anybody else. Uh, but I'll at least take up the fight each week. Love it. Vogues, you take care. We'll talk on Saturday. Thanks for the time. Thanks guys. Have a good one. There he is. Brandon Vogel from his football office. Let's squeeze in uh, Matt Rule as uh, we'll get to some of the GB Rewind. But this made its way around social media. And uh, Rule, again, getting fiery at halftime uh, for Nebraska Northwestern. Will he have to do it again against Purdue? I'm kind of consistent with my message. So make sure everybody understands what my message is. I don't care about the school. I care about the football. We're going to go out there. We're going to put the ball on the ground. We're going to have to turn the ball over four times. That's who we are? Huh, that's who we are? We're going to start calling a sheep. Because we freaking don't want to get the ball. I want to see you run people over. Emma, you're about that far away from Poplar. AG, you're about that far away from Poplar. On defense, nobody has 86 yards rushing against us. But now that tackle's coming around, we're like, how do I handle it? You know how we handle it around here? We take our fist and put it under your chin. That's how we handle it. Hey, coach, what's the next call? There is no next call. You've never asked for another call on team compete.
bring it to it. Stop talking about it. Let's go. So, if you're listening on the radio, Elijah Herbal is going full Schwarzenegger in commando with the camo face paint, ready to take on the uh, the predator and 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 do some work, do I, some damage. I'm ready to take on that pull and tackle and knock him into next week. I tell you that much. And you answer it with uh, a fist under the chin, my friend. So Rule got his point across, and uh, Nebraska found some rhythm running the ball, and they made a play or two. We'll wind down this first hour. Single barrel is where we are at, ninth and P, inside the graduate at Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour here at the Single Barrel. We're here on Thursdays, home football weeks. Saturdays, pregame noon to 2. And then a real red reaction this weekend after Nebraska-Purdue. Uh, we'll get Gary Barnett's reaction. Not only did he, well, coach Coach Walter's father, but he recruited Purdue's head coach. What's he think of the Nebraska-Purdue matchup? Uh, that coming up here in 10 minutes. We'll get Barney's take on cheating, specifically sign-stealing. And if you're not too... Uh, beaten over the head with them. I know it's been dominant the last week in college football. Uh, We'll tell you why Barney says, yeah, we've all done it, and here's why we stopped doing it or don't rely on it. So Coach Barnett will go full uh, spy cam uh, next hour. Reminder to get uh, your legal questions answered by your friends at Dyer Law. Personal injury. Have you been hurt in a personal injury accident? You can count on Dyer Law to help provide you with the keeping, uh, make that with the helping hand when you need it. No matter what you're dealing with, call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529. Can visit Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, and chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. Number to dial for Dire Law. Good friend, uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska, uh, said and has a suggestion for the Husker Vision screen for the Nebraska-Purdue kickoff. On the Average Joe Sports Show podcast, we, we get into Jumbotron images. Uh, th- there's one I retweeted that, that Dr. Rob retweeted about Ryan Walters and his... Uh, last moment at Memorial Stadium where he got whacked by a Nebraska tight end. And uh, can that be part of the, uh, the, the lead out, part of the tunnel walk for this, uh, this upcoming ball game? But Elijah, a lot to get into in this second hour. We'll get some best bets with Daddy Burke and uh, more from, from Gary Barnett on all things Nebraska-Purdue and some weekend thoughts as well. Are you... Uh, you got a hunkering for a, a hankering for a steak? Or are you thinking a little whiskey? Or have you gone there yet? Have you thought about dinner? I was. Let's make sure I turn my mic on here before I speak. That's usually a pretty big key to being heard on the air. So I, it took me a second, but I got there after five years doing this whole radio thing. Sometimes you still forget. Anyway, uh, in terms of dinner, I do have some leftover chicken, which I have meal prepped. I made a a fantastic honey mustard chicken that I'm down to the last of right now. The problem being, if I go through the rest of that, 
then my lunch plans tomorrow are completely derailed. So I gotta figure out, maybe I will go get myself a steak. We'll see, I haven't quite thought that far down the road here. I do have a, a workout I'd like to get done tonight. So really, the, the world is my oyster. Uh, with football being on tonight, who is the Thursday night matchup tonight? I don't know. I should know that. I don't, like, Thursday night football sucks. I've said this before. Some people are like, oh, well, it's better than no football on a Thursday night. And that's, sometimes... That's the, that's the correct answer. It's sometimes no I think that's football. true, but then other times I watch the game it's, and I go, I would have preferred it's to Bucks, have a, a It's night. Bucks and Trey Palmer and Buffalo. Buffalo smarting after New England. Kind of surprised him. That could be an interesting matchup. Life. That could be an interesting matchup. We'll see. Baker, Baker Mayfield. Going to upstate New York, Trey Palmer, three catches, a buck 12, and two touchdowns, maybe. Gary Barnett, cheating, sign stealing, Harbaugh, Purdue, Nebraska, next hour on Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Back into it, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're on the road here at Single Barrel getting ready for Nebraska-Purdue. Let's talk some college football and some Big Ten with the coach, Gary Barnett, long time at Northwestern and Colorado. He's currently a color analyst for the Buffs. Coach, how's the week been? How you doing? Well, we've had two weeks to uh, get over this, try to get over this doggone game with uh, Stanford, where we had a 29-point lead and blew it completely in the second half. I mean, it was a disaster. But, you know, the sun comes up the next day and, you know, your chores are still there and you still got to do what you could do. And so now we're getting close to where we're ready to go play again out in UCLA. Yeah, we'll get into that UCLA matchup as Chip's got a phenomenal defense and they got a young quarterback but UCLA's right there a lot of heavy hitters in the Pac-12 this year coach I want to start off with Michigan and get your response to uh well the the situation the accusations some of the evidence with Harbaugh Michigan and uh just the, the the program itself What's your what's your take on this? It's been going on about a week. Stuff kind of started breaking late Thursday and early into Friday, and it's continued to grow. Yeah, I, I know, and and really, uh, you know, the really the big part of this, the the most important part is, uh, if there is a rules violation, the rule is that you can't go out and uh, forward observe. Uh, the team you're playing in person, which was a rule put in the 1990s when we were all struggling. I can remember the day they told us, you know, that you couldn't send an advanced scout because not everybody could afford to do that. Uh, you know, we, we, we weren't making great TV money per school. So uh, they were trying to, the NCAA was trying to level the playing field as much as they could. So they, they eliminated the forward advanced scouting. So that's been in place for a long time. Everybody knows it. If that if that's what they did, and it looks, you know, it looks that way. But I, you know, we'll have to wait and see. 
then that's that's a uh, blatant violation of the rules. And that's what needs to be addressed, however you address it. As far as stealing signs go, um, you know, college football has been in a – they've had their head in the sand for almost 30 years. Uh, why we can't – you know, we have no – we can't use any uh, video or any – uh, anything like that during the game. We can't use a, an iPad like they do in the NFL and in high school. We don't have the, the microphones in our helmets. Um, it's crazy. We are we are way back in the dark ages from that respect. And, you know, if you had the, had the helmet can or the helmet uh, speakers mm-hmm. with the quarterbacks and, the, and a safety or whoever you designate, you don't have signs. Uh, secondly, you could speed up halftime. You could make everything more efficient if you had, if you could had uh, tablets on the field and look at audiovisual stuff um, like everybody else does. So, stealing signs, everybody has done it. I've I've done it. I've. It's really difficult. It's a bigger deal. It sounds bigger than it really is because trying to implement a game plan or trying to implement information that you have to your team within the amount of time that's out there. And I've tried it. I've tried it both ways. I've tried to do uh, a game plan based on what we knew about signals, but you just can't do it. It's not practical to get the information in soon enough for the players to be comfortable with, uh, with the call that you're making. And the other thing is, if you're wrong, <laughs> if you're wrong once, your players are never going to believe you again. And so, because all you got to, you know, really, you try to do pass or run. That that helps you the most. Mm-hmm. And our information about what personnel groups that obviously helps you. But nobody complains about that. What they what they uh, what they worry about is the fact that you may know a pass or you may know a run is coming. And then you can pin your ears back if it's a pass, and uh, you know you can not cover the the pass if it's a run. You add a guy into the box, but the one time you're wrong, I'm telling you, I I can remember looking at the guy who was good at doing that and saying, "That's it, we are not doing this anymore," <laughs> because they just threw one over our heads and we thought it was a sweep. So, uh, you know, it's, it sounds, you know, intriguing and mysterious and espionage-like and all this and, like, it really helps you. And I'm telling you, it's, it's – we all agreed, all of our staff, both schools, said, you know, it's just not worth it. And so uh, it, the violation here is the violation, and that's sending somebody out. And that's what needs to be addressed. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're live at the Single Barrel. Coach, what what team did you um, steal signs from, and and who do you think did anyone get uh, James Bond esque with you guys trying to steal signs at either spot? You know, I ran the plays in with players, mm. so I I just uh, we're not you know, and people who who signaled, they're just setting themselves up for it. You know, if they don't change their signals, then 
shame on them, dude. The uh, you know, <laughs> criminy. I mean, everybody everybody knows it. It's just part of the game. But I uh, we always ran a runner in. Mm-hmm. I just I didn't want that issue. And uh, if we had, uh, I had one guy that was really good at at, at stealing signs, but. <laughs> trying to get the information is and yelling. I mean, you're in a, you're in a stadium with all those people. Um, you can't yell it in from the sideline. You have to somehow signal them. Well, by the time you do that, you used all your time up, the ball snapped and your guys looking at you. So it's just not as practical as you think, especially with the up-tempo offenses that are out there right now. It's, it's practically impossible to do. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, what happens next. You've got three entities that, that could make a decision here on on Michigan and the accusations and the evidence. You have the NCAA, you have the college football playoff, you have the Big Ten. And from a swiftness standpoint, uh, I think the guy that could make the call the quickest here is Tony Petiti, and he's got a way – the league, like there's 11 instances alleged where teams were, were violated uh, in person uh, with um, the advanced scouting. And there's also the TV partnership. Is Fox, for example, going to be wild about Michigan undefeated, number one in the country, co-number one in the country, not being allowed to play in a conference title game. And then you got the college football playoff that would be ticked off. So what do you do if you're Petiti? You try to figure out what, what the punishment is that would match the, the, the crime in this case. And you got to be careful not to cut your nose off to spite your face here. You got, you know, I mean, how big a deal is this? It's, I think to the general public, it's a big deal. I think to coaches, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're the one that got your sign stolen, you're mad. But guess what? Change your sign, signs. I mean, <laughs> uh, who's to, who's totally to blame here? It's like if you haven't changed your sign, it's like yelling out to the other team what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, football is a game of deception. All right. It, just what what would happen if, for example, we ran a play action pass? Well, it was looks like a run, and then all of a sudden you you deceive me. You threw it over my head. You threw a pass on her. You know, so I, I don't know. Let, let's. I, I think it's a bigger issue to everybody outside of the coaching world than it is the ones in and player world than it is to the actual players and coaches. Do you think Michigan should play for a championship? Should they go unbeaten or, or get, uh, get get to the title game? I do. Mm-hmm. I think they're the best there is. I mean, they're they're this year's team may may know your signs or may may not know your signs. They're still, still going to kick your butt. I mean, they're that good. So, well, uh, I do think that it it may be an in game penalty. I mean, what the heck if you if you penalize, if you have a penalty in the middle of a game, mm-hmm. you lose yards or you lose a down or you lose something like that. You know, I don't know whether that can apply to this situation that. You know, I don't know, you spot the other team seven points. No, you don't really do that. But <laughs> it seems like you ought to be able to work that out without getting too yeah. emotional about it. I'm, I'm interested here. Uh, coach, you know well, and he played for you at Colorado. You know his folks as well. Ryan Walters, Purdue comes to town, and he was so incredible at Illinois. His coordinator uh, laid out his – 
remembrance of, of the Nebraska-Colorado rivalry. And what's your uh, assessment here of Coach Walter's first year? And, and what do you think of this matchup Saturday with Purdue and Nebraska? It's minus two and a half. Tight ball game for both. Nebraska's absolutely decimated injury-wise. Well, I, I think if you look at the schedule and, and the teams that both these two teams play out, this game is the most important because uh, if Purdue wins, they still, you look at their schedule remaining games, they have a chance to win six games and be bowl eligible. If Nebraska wins, you know, there's another game in there for them down the road to become game eligible or bowl eligible. So it, that piece of it is really important. And uh, even though Purdue's only won two, there's four games out there for them, really. I mean, they've played close enough and well enough that all there's four games out there for them if they, if they play decently. And four games puts them in a bowl, and Nebraska's in the same position, like I said. So, you know, they're evenly matched. Northwestern's playing better defense, which is, um, you know, that's seemed to go away from the fact that Ryan being a – Ryan Walters being a defensive-minded guy and a former coordinator, but Nebraska's playing better defense than Purdue. Other than that, they're pretty equal. I mean, <clears throat> Nebraska just can't throw the ball, and uh, you know they're they just uh, they were great against the run, but they can't throw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Purdue's been just okay. You know, I mean, they're only averaging 370 yards on offense, but Nebraska's only averaging 328. So. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is a low-scoring game. This is a game much like you had last week with Northwestern, I think. Um, the injuries may come to play. You're at home. That's that's a huge advantage for Nebraska. But both this, these two teams uh, should be hungry enough to where it's a battle uh, down to the end for this game. Coach, you have three new starters for Nebraska on the offensive line, and, and all three kids have started – uh, the new left guard got his first start last Saturday or, or came in for uh, for Ethan Piper and, and played well. But publicly, Matt Rule's not whining. Publicly, it's next man up, let's go. Publicly, it's just lead on the defense and let's uh, let's clean it up from a turnover standpoint. Privately, are you freaking out as a coach if you lose three of your starting offensive linemen? Uh, privately, you probably are, but you're looking at your next games. And you're not playing Ohio State. You're not playing Michigan again. You're playing Purdue. They're, you know, it's it's sort of like playing yourself in practice. So you can pretty well see how you're going to play based on how you practice because you're practicing against the same kind of team that you're going to play this weekend. And that's pretty much true for both teams. And, and it's pretty much true for the games you need to win to go to a bowl. So there isn't much difference between who you need to beat and who you are. And uh, now it comes down to playing and actually executing and the breaks. You know, who turns the ball over, who can run the ball best. Those, those two have the advantage. So uh, the team that turns it over probably isn't going to win, in the, even though you survived last week with mm-hmm. more turnovers than, than Northwestern. But – you weren't playing a very good team. So, you know, this team isn't much different than Northwestern and it's not much different than yourself. So it's it, it comes down to how, you, how the game unfolds. You never know. That's why everybody comes to watch. Gary Barnett with us, Sale Varsity Radio Roadshow. 
as we're here at the single barrel. We'll have some more thoughts with Coach, get his take on some of the weekend games, and uh, for sure uh, check the podcast out, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can get the audio portion, the video, Hail Varsity YouTube channel or Hail Varsity Radio Twitter. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is... Uh, Barney laid out what he thought of the the Michigan. Brandon chimes in uh, on uh, some of uh, Coach Barnett's thoughts and just the Michigan topic. Chris, is Michigan was given one win a year the last three years because of these signals. Does that give them a a game changer when it comes to recruits to win this year? I think they should be given three losses. Uh, You go back in time, and Coach Barnett opened up some interesting thoughts on on in-game penalties. Uh, We'll see. I know that the uh, NCAA has got boots on the ground in Ann Arbor uh, swifter than than traditionally they do with their investigation. You know what would be fair? The only fair punishment here is the rest of the year, Michigan has to give one of their headsets to the opposing sideline for the rest of the year, so the other sideline gets all their signals for the game from now until the uh, the end of the season being the, the regular season, I should say. You don't want to disturb the integrity of the college football playoff, but that's only fair for the the rest of this season. Yeah, no, I, I get it. We'll have more thoughts <laughs> with Gary Barnett. Uh, that's on the way. Reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes in mind, straight ahead. The driver, one job, that's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Gary Barnett, couple minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. We're talking Nebraska, Purdue. Coach, uh, interested the practice philosophy, and, and Coach White, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska, touched on just, all right, there, there's a lot of flack Floating out, floating around out there on towards the offense with you know averaging 18 points a game and all that good stuff and and he's like, look, they've they've really prepared the defense. The defense is as good as it is is because of the offense. Was was that a focal point for you to to make sure each side of the ball prepped one another uh, and were paid attention to versus some teams that are just defensive centric or even offensive centric? They they really don't have the priority or emphasis put on all three phases. Well, I think uh, if, if you listen to guys after the game, mm-hmm. uh, if they're on a good team, they'll tell you that, you know what? Yeah, we won this weekend because every week we go against somebody that's better uh, and we're playing against a really good offense or a really good defense every day and we see them it's not just for one day on a weekend so i think you you know iron sharpens iron and uh that's you need that when when we were good you know our defense was hard to run against in practice and when we were good uh our our defense would have trouble defending us so it's it's it it absolutely works complementary in that way what do you think of the Iowa Minnesota finish? I thought Iowa totally got the shaft in that deal. So I, I I looked at that. I was listening to it on the radio going home, and from a grandson's football game, and you know it sounded bizarre, but you know what the heck, I couldn't really see it until <laughs> I got home, and then I saw it. I said, "Oh my gosh." 
there's no way and there's no way that that kid signal for a fair catch. And they are so emphatic about you getting your hand above the shoulder. Mm-hmm. He was telling everybody where the ball was, get away from it. You yell a word that everybody knows means get away from it. And uh, he's talking to his guys. He's not talking to the Minnesota guys. And if you watch Minnesota, they they went after that. They just missed tackles. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. They had eight guys miss a tackle there. So uh, I, I just couldn't be- – and I can't believe the Big Ten didn't come out and say anything about it because that was an atrocious call. It was unfair to Iowa. And, of course, I'm saying that now. I'm sitting in my living room. but um, <laughs> you know, Nobody's going to yell at me. <laughs> That's funny. I'm not going to get fined. No. But uh, I, I thought that was, that was really poorly played by the league, and I thought it was extremely poorly played by those officials in that game. Coach, we'll get you out and, and talk some rapid fire here. Handful of ball games: Oklahoma, Kansas. Oklahoma by the hair of their chinny chin chin against Central Florida. Danger zone. I know the line's up to ten, but KU's not been uh, as. I mean, they, they've had their moments this year. They're five and two. Is it danger time for the Sooners? Well, it is because Oklahoma's a good team. They're not a great team. Mm-hmm. And KU can be a really good team. They're 10-point underdogs, though. I, I don't know. Defensively, they're not playing like they did last year. And Jason Bean's starting a quarterback, and and Daniels probably won't see the field again this year because of injuries. And I just not the same team without him. But Kansas can be dangerous. And, and if they can figure out a way uh, to slow down Gabriel, then I they think they make the real game of it. But I, I – I think this is. Uh, I think tens maybe a little too much, but I think Oklahoma probably wins it. You know, even though they're not a great team. How much Southern comfort is drank at the old cocktail party here, Georgia, Florida? <laughs> I don't know. I heard Dan Mullen talking about that yesterday, and what it's like going over the bridge into Jacksonville to that game, and and just seeing the sight. And that's that's one of those games I haven't been able to go to. It's mm. probably one of the two I need to go to, but, um, you know, without Brock Bowers, there, there's no way George is the same. Florida's coming on, but I still think that, uh, I, I still think George is going to win it. I, 14 and a half may be too many, but I think Georgia wins the game. They're just a better team right now. Oregon got challenged in the first half by Wazoo, outlasted the Cougars. Now it's off to Utah. What a ball game here. Oregon's favorite on the road at uh, at Utah, six and a half. Did you watch the game last week? I I had, an eye, I had an eye on it, and oh I, I, I saw the finish, and I saw Utah. They were down by double digits, and I saw the end of it, and I saw the, the, the old Coach Barnett fade to the green, you know, the old wedge shot, uh, the way the kicker. <laughs> kind of hugged that thing in there, and, and Utah got another walk-off. They kind of have USC's number, but you have the two most physical teams, don't you, here in the league? No question. And uh, Utah's really good, and, and they just they just do it the old-fashioned way, too. And you sort of root for them because, you know, they're not flashy and they're playing with a third-string quarterback and he's tough. Oregon's good, though. They're really good. And I, I think Oregon needs a statement game, and, and I think Oregon wins, but I, I I look for this to be a to be to be a really good football game. Is USC in trouble? They're up eleven or, or favored by eleven at, at uh, Cal. Cal's at three and four, and Riley's been out with pneumonia, and 
defense is still a mess. Is there some real danger here at USC maybe falling off? A yeah, cliff? I, I think there is, but and, and this will be a good test right here mm-hmm. because, you, you know, they could be feeling sorry for themselves, but this will be a good test to see if they're really what they thought they were going into the season. And, um, you know, Cal's been playing better, uh, 11 points, you know, SC can score 50 really quick, <laughs> but they can let you score 52 really quick. But, uh, you know, this will be, I'm interested to watch USC in this game just to see if, what they're made of. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about, you know, somebody came out and said Caleb Williams should shut it down. And he, he never mentioned that. He never said anything or made any indication like that. And it doesn't look like that when he plays. So uh, my guess is that, that SC is a little riled up over all that talk. Last thought, Duke, Louisville, minus four and a half. Both these teams are really, really talented. Yeah, they are. And I, I just don't think Duke can win without Riley Leonard. And mm-hmm. I think he re-injured that ankle. So, uh, you know, I'm not a Louisville, you know, fan but i'm i'm not a non-fan uh i just think they can play really well they're favored by four i think that's about right without riley leonard in the game for duke coach you have a good weekend enjoy la la land all right all right chris we'll do it good stuff from coach barnett hail varsity radio we're here at the single barrel ninth and p inside the graduate back here saturday noon to two Reminder, if you're pumping in for Nebraska-Purdue, we'll be hunkered down here. Uh, the wall of whiskey is waving at me. Uh, some chops probably on deck. Uh, steak or pork chops, incredible. And they even got Guinness on tap for one Bill Dolman. Uh, wheels are turning for Elijah Herbal because he's thinking of what what whiskey he's, uh, he's going to have post-workout tonight. Is that true? Post work, I'll throw it in the protein shake. Yeah, you'll put it in the protein shake. <laughs> we'll just get the well, old, get the old pint and dump that thing in there. No water, just, no milk. Just get needed. after it. Just get after it. Uh, an extended chat there with Coach Barnett, but good takes on Michigan. Good thoughts on Nebraska, Purdue. Uh, great relationship with Purdue's head coach because he recruited him, and uh, some thoughts on the Pac-12 this weekend. Let's do a little rule rewind right now and coach spent some time earlier today with the media and uh, top question here how's that offensive line looked how they practiced this week three new starters got to go on saturday the new guys on the offensive line have practiced hard all week you know we've had two really spirited practices and full pads to get that work done and you know they needed that and uh, they stepped up and just as important as the next group you know like the next group of guys and i know really excited like again i don't want anyone to get hurt but as I said to the team, thank goodness last week Justin was prepared and, and Henry was prepared and Malcolm was prepared. So, hey, Tyler Canock, you need to be prepared. And Jacob Hood, you need to be prepared. And Gunner and Sam and all those guys, Joe, Joey Mancino, all, all those guys are prepared. So uh, good week. Excited for them to go compete against a, a great defense. So this was pretty fascinating. I know we touched on it earlier in the week, but rule on the scout team. I mean, that is the epitome of of hands-on and trying to evaluate and and he's not been afraid to call guys up from scout team to game action and more from rule on you know why he's doing time on the scout team 
Yeah, I've done it pretty much my whole career. You know, I, I like to uh, have those connections with those guys. Um, you know, there's been some years where I do one day defense, one day offense. You know, I just think it helps me really identify uh, young players. And I, you know, I'll sit there and be like, why is Kane over here? Get him up with the defense. Why is James over here? You know, why is Sua? Why is Vincent? You know, if left to their own devices, offensive coaches will make the guys just run cards and stand here and get blocked and they won't become good players. So I go over there and say, don't listen to them. <laughs> go do this and go do that. So uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, at least. So I enjoy it. It's a way for me to, you know, I used to be a pretty good football coach before I was a head coach. And so I, it's a way for me to go do some football. So I don't know that we have time for the GB Rewind. Probably not. Cut 10. No? Yes? You're like, absolutely not. No. Uh, but but it was pretty good from rule. We'll sneak that in at, at 550. But how about the importance of special teams this week? Uh, it's going to be key. You, you write it down. You know it's always important, but it'll be monstrous this Saturday. Yeah, I think, you know, especially in games like this week where the weather could be a factor. I mean, you want to play great on the special teams. Purdue has dynamic kickoff and punt return games. Um, they blocked a field goal against Iowa in the crucial times. You know, they're, they're excellent on special teams. You know, we've, we've made some, some good plays on special teams, putting the ball down. Tommy with the kickoff return last week. You know, but we're also missing some opportunities. We had a punt blocked last week. We missed it. So we're just going to continue to try to get better at it. Um, but, yeah, I think in, in the Big Ten, you know, it's kind of a field position league. Just getting used to it. There's a lot of rugby punters in this league, you know, so a lot more uh, rugby punters than not. So just going through this full cycle, seeing everybody. We're not a rugby team. So sometimes it's hard for us to game plan the opponent, you know. So I just think, you know, uh, Ed's done a nice job of kind of building that book of business. And you, you think about it, the, the, the injuries you have, like just take Tommy Hill. Tommy Hill gets hurt. So someone steps up, which means now there's a ripple effect down onto the special teams. And so that's why, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on it. We practice the twos and we practice the threes so that when guys have to step up and be ready. Like Ramirez Stewart went in and played last week on special teams. Um, um, you know, guys filling the void as we have injuries. But I think, I think special teams are vital. They'll be really vital this week. You know, we're down our starting kick returner. We're down our starting punt returner. Those are, those are big things. So the other guys have to step up. Coach Matt Rule, more thoughts from Coach Rule as we get you ready at the single barrel inside the graduate ninth and P uh, today, here till six, and then uh, on Saturday, Nebraska-Purdue, we might even have a Boilermaker. Elijah, we'll have to get you uh, one poured. Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets on the way. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. We're here at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow Thursday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence on Twitter. And can watch the show, the Hail Varsity YouTube channel, Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. We welcome in Danny Burke, uh, Burke's Best Bets, uh, Burke'sBeat.com is where you can log on and check out Danny's info. Plenty of uh, Thursday night football thoughts, Purdue, Nebraska, and yes, the World Series. Danny, I'm going to spin the magic wheel of gambling, my friend. Thanks for the time. And what to start with your take on Nebraska, Purdue, minus two and a half, some weather, some injuries, some intrigue, or run and hide, keep your money. 
Yeah, I am getting involved in this game, guys. Originally, I was looking for an angle to bet Nebraska, but kind of as you alluded to, Schmitty, these injuries are scaring me off. And the worst part about it is, of course, that it comes in the trenches, and that, as we know, is a key cock for any team, but especially a team like Nebraska that needs to run the ball successfully. So that's what, again, you know, didn't make this as convincing of a bet in terms of going on the side of Nebraska as it typically would be. But the angle that I'm pursuing then is actually this total under 40. Now, I know it's moved a little bit. It's kind of gotten into the 30s in some spots. I wouldn't go below 39, but if you get the 40, yeah, I absolutely recommend that. Again, you have a Nebraska team that is going to emphasize the run. And whether or not they do it successfully because of the injuries, you know that that's going to wind some time off of the clock. The weather's not going to be great. Could be a little bit of precipitation out by you guys. Looks like it's going to be a windier game as well. And as we know, wind is the biggest factor when it comes to handicapping a total. Makes it a little bit more difficult to throw the ball for these teams. So, again, Nebraska, you got that settled offensively. That's what we're expecting from them. And then with Purdue, if they can, yeah, they prefer to pass the ball. But Hudson Card really hasn't done anything too great. I mean, over the last three games, he's got a completion percentage of 57%. Overall on the year, a touchdown-interception ratio of 7-5. to five. So if Nebraska's secondary can hold up enough, right, a bend, don't break, don't let these big, explosive plays happen sporadically, then I think they'll limit the Boilermakers' success because, again, maybe they have to hone in on their ground attack then as well. And as we all very well know, Nebraska fourth in the nation to run defense. Opponents getting just 2.6 yards per rush attempt. You saw that uh, halftime speech with Rule, you know, pumping up his guys about limiting the run attack from Northwestern. And they had nothing in the second half. So I think you'll see a lot more of that persisting in this game ultimately leads me to betting this under 40 on Saturday. Danny, along those same lines, have you found a uh, a betting line for total number of punts in this game? (laughs) Man, I don't think you could put that number high enough. I mean, there's always like a classic, you know, with these Big Ten games where people take the screenshot of like the ESPN game cast where it's like fun, fun, fun for possession. I think we're going to get like a CBS receipt long list of all of the (laughs) punts for this game. So whatever it's posted at, guys, it might be one of those regions that the blindly bet the over. Daddy, a thought on the World Series? Man, you know, I don't want to be the guy going into this going, oh, I wish it was a different matchup. But part of me does a little bit, and I say this because I may be a little bit of a salty Cubs fan knowing that if, say, Suzuki didn't drop that top fly, then the Cubs very well could have taken the Diamondback spot for the postseason, but whatever, that's in the past. It is what it is. I'm just shocked. I I really can't believe it. Like, the Diamondbacks are one of those teams where I thought the youth and inexperience, while they could get them through the first round, would eventually catch up with them because you see that happen in so many different sports. But baseball, as unique as it is, hasn't been the case for them. At the end of the day, I mean, is the Diamondbacks bullpen going to be able to do enough? Are the pitchers outside of Gallon and Kelly going to be able to limit this lethal Rangers offense? I'm not too convinced on that, but simultaneously, again, when a team is hot, they're hot, and because of the juice they're making you lay with the Rangers, it's not really enticing me to make a bet with them. So I'm going to wait to see how game one plays out and then probably approach it from that standpoint on, but I can't say I've had the most intrigue in this World Series. I do think the Rangers are the better of the teams, as the odds are telling us. I'm not going out on the win, but, again, the price has been making it too attractive for me to put my money worth my mouth is on it. 
Danny Burke with us here. Burke's best bets on Hale Varsity Radio. And Danny, let's flip gears here and go to NFL. It's Thursday night football tonight is Buccaneers at Bills. The Bills trying to get right after that game against New England. As for the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield, he's been a question mark this week with a knee. It sounds like he's going to be a go tonight. What are your thoughts on tonight's game? Yeah, and it looks like Vita Bay was a little banged up. Chris Godwin as well. But regardless of what their statuses are, I still think it's a really good spot for Buffalo. Now, Buffalo killed me on one of my teaser legs last week. Look, I mean, I only have myself to blame for that one in a division game on the road. But, uh, you know, credit to the Patriots for just playing out of their mind. But this is a spot where the Bills must have her. I mean, this is a necessity for them to win this game on a short week at home against a banged-up Tampa Bay team. And the Bucks are a team that have, yes, exceeded expectations. But after what we witnessed last week against Atlanta, you have to wonder if they're going to kind of come back down to reality a little bit. And more importantly, the biggest discrepancies here, the defenses are fairly similar, but offensively, the Bills are second in offensive success rate, third in offensive EPA per play, Tampa Bay 29th and 19th respectively in those categories. And then another big thing too, red zone success. The Bills are second best in the NFL when entering the red zone, scored a touchdown at a 71.4% clip. And then Baker Mayfield with his offense, they're only getting it at just over 37%, which is 28th in the NFL. So the line has moved a lot. We saw it as low as 8, up to as high as 10. What I did earlier in the week, and you could still do it in some shops now, is tease down Buffalo to below the key number of 3, so you could get the minus 2.5, and, and then you pair them with another leg. And the team that I paired it with is the Monday night game, uh, Detroit. I tease them down as they're going to be hosting the Raiders looking for a bounce-back spot themselves. So that's the only action I got involving Thursday night football this evening. Danny, any other things you like this weekend, um, NFL-wise or college football? You honing in on any over-under or is there a line that you think is very tasty? Danny Burke, Burke's best bets with us. Yeah, so I actually just added a couple player props onto the website and I really like this Isaiah Pacheco angle with his receiving yards against Elijah's Broncos here. The Broncos have not been that good at defending running backs in the passing game. They're allowing opposing tailbacks just under seven receptions for over 55 receiving yards per game. His number set for Pacheco at 15 and a half for his receiving yards. He's gone over it in five out of seven contests. He's got about three receptions per game. And this may be more of a game that has a, uh, you know, a little bit of a grim forecast where you want to take the safer route, shorter passes there, and just dump it off to Pacheco. I think Andy Reid obviously is smart enough to recognize that that's a department where Denver, uh, Denver slacks in. And Pacheco's a guy who's making more than enough of his chances that he's getting every time he's touching the rock. So I think this is a market that's been a little bit neglected with Pacheco. People know Denver's got a poor run defense. So they're not really jumping in on his receiving yards as much. I think he'll thrive in that department. And then another prop that I had, guys, Damian Pierce with his rushing yards, going up against the Panthers, one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They're allowing 4.9 yards per carry. That's 29. The Panthers also dead last in defensive success rate against the run. Pierce coming off a bye week needs to finally have an explosive game. He's been underwhelming to say the least. I'm betting him over 53 and a half rush yards this Sunday. Danny Burke with us, burksbeat.com at Danny Burke 5. Pride of Chicago, have a good weekend. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you got it, guys. Thanks for having me on, as always. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
One final time, a Thursday road show. We're here at the Single Barrel. Sunshine still kind of pouring out in downtown. And it is going to flip on its ear with Old Man Winter giving you the middle finger tomorrow and Saturday. But warm up, heat up, get a whiskey here at the Single Barrel. They have a wall of whiskey for you to choose from. Uh, Plenty of beer and the best steaks and chops. You are going to love it. If you haven't been... If you've been, you know what I'm talking about. Come see us Saturday, noon to 2, with the weekend edition uh, ahead of Nebraska-Purdue. And then the Real Red Reaction follows here at the Single Barrel as well, as uh, we'll be here to talk about it and uh, maybe talk about a, dare I say, third consecutive Big Ten football win for Nebraska, minus 2.5. It's tough. We'll have our predictions tomorrow. Clausburn is going to be at game one of the World Series, but we will still make sure security holds him before uh, we get done with the forecast. We are up at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill tomorrow. Roadshow Friday, 4-6 to six in La Vista. So if you're making your way up for high school football or you just want to see game one, of the World Series. Come do it. Myself, Elijah, going to be up there, and then Jama Chamberlain going to check in with us. And a live podcast of the Triple Play podcast with Herd at Sports. So we're going to get done with Hale Varsity at 6 and then jump right on and do a baseball pod, live baseball pod at the Herd at Sports Bar and Grill, 6 to 7, right up to first pitch. So it should be pretty good. Good stuff today from Gary Barnett. Be sure to check that out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. It's where you can get the, the uh, downloads. Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. Also, Brandon Vogel. Counter read was incredible. Good stuff from him, per the usual. And Danny Burke had your gambling fix. Elijah, you know, it's kind of all over, but the shouting, I have probably talked way too much, and we can't get rule in. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow or, or Saturday with uh, rule and the gb rewind yes yeah no we're 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 definitely out of time ah, so the over under uh on vodka sodas during the nebraska purdue game from brett he emails in chris at alevarsity.com is 12 wow oh my okay so the question is does, does brent have more vodka sodas during the Nebraska, what happens? That's three a quarter. More, that's that's more, an impressive dude, pace. Dude, you may need them. So what happens? More drinks for Brett or more points for Nebraska-Purdue? Danny's really a stickler on that 39 number. I'm, I don't think this game reaches 30 personally. Dude, I don't, no, I don't, think, this, I don't think this game reaches 30 passing yards. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll, be, not, maybe I'll be surprised because, like, it could be offensive sloppiness that leads to points for the other team. It's going to be a takeaway. It's going to be a flat-out takeaway. But I think we'll be hard-pressed to see this game crossing the 30-point line. And, and that's, well, I, that, that's just like the, what Husker fans are starting to like become accustomed to. That's what you have to expect from here on out, that if a game does get over 30 points, it's not going to be Nebraska winning that football game. Well, in Nebraska on a okay day, despite the turnovers – can get 20. I mean, they, they can get some big plays in the run game. Uh, they'll have to hammer away at it, but they're going to have to take care of the football. And it's okay. Dink and dunk. Check it down. Find your tight end, but be accurate. Elijah's going to get a red ball and some bench presses in. We're back tomorrow 
on the road. Big thanks to the Single Barrel. Back here at the Single Barrel Saturday. Talk to you then with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production. Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning.